Thank you. God bless you. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome. It's great to have you here today. Something we need to thank God for is that this week uh, our, our Prime Minister uh, was uh, uh, awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo, Norway, if you did not hear the news. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, Really, this is a, a big, uh, I don't know, I don't know how you see it, but, uh, you know, not only that, but this week there was like a lot of, even the CNN hero was this lady named Freweni, and uh, 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 the, the Tumket celebration was recognized this week by UNESCO. Come on, somebody. Uh, also, the European Union and the IMF, the United States, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi are all pumping money into Ethiopia this week. Come on, somebody. Um, I, I, I think God is doing something, maybe. And I don't know if you heard the speech that our Prime Minister made, his, his, what they call a lecture, his Nobel lecture. I think it was just so profound. And very, very uh, unusual what, what the Lord did through him. Just the wisdom of God, the, the, the power of, of his personal testimony combined with his philosophy for peace and uh, the whole Madamar idea. By the way, if he really wants to know about Madamar, he has to come to Beza Church. Um, but uh, it, it was really a, a very special occasion. And uh, I, I thought it was, I, I don't know if you noticed, but there was that, uh, that lady, the, the singer who was singing uh, uh, Beiti G. They called her Beiti G. She was singing her song, and then the choir that was, you know, backing her, it was a, a Farange choir. All of them were, I think, Norwegian. Okay? But they were all swaying with her and singing Hagere. Did you hear that? I said, Lord, you know, Agare in Amarinya, it means uh, my country, my country, my country, my country. In our, in a, I took it as a prophecy. Amen. And, uh, so uh, just a lot to be uh, a lot to be thankful for. We have still obviously a long way to go, but we thank God for uh, a lot of the the things He's doing. We don't take this for granted. We don't act like it's normal. We we we're believing God for something, and uh, we just give praise to God for all the the great things that's happening. This week I have a word I wanted to share. Um, it is Christmas uh, time, and I was actually preparing a very different message, and. Uh, <clears throat> I feel the Lord was just uh, not giving me a release for that word right then. And uh, we, we'll see. I think maybe next week, Lord willing, um, we, we'll have a Christmas message. But uh, for now, we want us to look at some, some, things, some things here. Just stay with me. And uh, today, we're going to leave different from the way we came in. I'm going to do a small teaching, and then we're going to do an exercise together. And uh, I think the Lord is, is, is going to, I feel the Lord is pushing in this direction, so we'll flow with it. Psalm chapter 8, Psalms chapter 8, and verse number 2. It says, from the lips of children and infants, 
you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Uh, the, the thing I wanted us to, to see here is uh, that praise, it does not kill the enemy. Praise does not bind the enemy. Uh, praise does not wrap him up and throw him into Gehenna. Praise silences the enemy. And I thought that was interesting because we like to go after the enemy and tie him up and bind him up. And you, you know what I'm saying. We grew up in church. All right. But it says our praise, it silences the enemy. Everybody say silences. Now, if the praise silences the enemy, this tells me that uh, of all the things to do that praise does, if it silences, it tells me that, that it must be because that the enemy is talkative. Hmm? And if the enemy's strategy is to talk and he has been silenced, a silent enemy is as good as a dead enemy. You see? And if you look at the story of, of Scripture and the work of the enemy throughout Scripture, you will find that he's been talking for a long time. In fact, talking is his specialty. He came to Eve in the garden. Everything was fine. Everything was happy. And then he started talking. He didn't pull out a sword. Eh? He didn't come, you know, like, uh, what's that, Halloween, the monster? No. He just came with a little talk. And the talk got in the ear of Eve and Eve was going this way and she started going this way and then afterwards they went hiding when they heard the voice of God and God said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, we, were, we heard your voice in the garden. We were afraid because we were naked, so we hid. And then God said, who told you you were naked? Meaning that somebody was talking. You see, we see when Jesus was tempted after 40 years in the wilderness, uh, the enemy came with some talking. Mm? We see in the, mess, uh, the, the test, testing of Job, the testing was largely tied to the message. Messengers came to Job and told him. Messengers came to Job. He's always talking. Uh, Jezebel, who is a type of Satan, came to Elijah, not with an army, but with a, with a little talking and and Elijah heard that and went running for 40 days. Talking. Talking. So it says that our praise silences the avenger or the enemy. Hmm. So if my praise is right, he is silent. If my praise is not right, he is still talking. He has stolen my praise with his talking. Are you following what I'm saying? But uh, it's, it's one thing to know that he's talking, but I think it's important to know also what he's saying. All right? Because uh, of all the things that he says, uh, the, the number one uh, strategy that he uses is accusation. In Zechariah chapter 3, and I would like, to, like us to look at this. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. I want to stop right there. And Satan standing at his right hand 
the right side to accuse him. Okay? So, so the name Satan in the Hebrew means accuser. Okay? So it should not surprise us, therefore, that the accuser is accusing. But I thought it was interesting. If you read this, this verse in the Hebrew, because Satan means accuser, it does not say, like we read in the English, and it says Satan was standing at his side to accuse him. It says that in, in the Hebrew, Satan was standing at his right hand to Satan him. Because that's Satan in Hebrew is accuser. I get him? Turn to your neighbor and say, Igarmal. Yeah. Uh, he is accuser. He lives to accuse. All right? And the funny thing is, is that while he was accusing him, the thing about accusation is, is that accusation is, is, is powerful, but in order for accusation to be accusation, and this is the difficult part, there is a measure of truth to the accusation. Because the Bible says, if you go on in the story, you find that the high priest was dressed in filthy clothes. All right? So there was a reason for Accusation. The clothes was dirty. The enemy won't accuse you of something that you are not. That's the challenge with the accusation. He will accuse you based on evidence. 1979, eh, late at night, you know where you were and you know what you did and you're completely helpless eh, because it's true. Eh? I was there. I did do that. He does not accuse on falsities. He accuses based on hardcore evidence. You sinned. You lied. You cheated. Eh? You, you, you saw the police officer trying to pull you over and you kept on going like you didn't pretend like you didn't see anything. <laughs> oh, I brought it home, didn't I? Yeah? But it's true, his accusation. And that's what makes it so difficult because you cannot say, no, I didn't. No, I have not. His accusation is very accurate. He studies us. He sees what we do and what we don't do. And he reminds us all the time, accusing. And once that accusation gets in, you were going to praise. But ah, 1979. Uh, you put your head down when you should be lifting your head up. Because there's no response to an accusation that is verified. Woe unto you. And woe unto me. If you have any kind of dirt in your past, yeah, don't look at your husband or your wife. Look straight ahead. But just say, woe unto me. Not them. Me. Say it. In the face of accusation, we are helpless. But you know what's interesting? With all of this accusation going on, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 what God has done for us. All right? Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Oh, hallelujah. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser, remember that word, of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I want to stop right there. They overcame him by the what? So accusation is always accurate and accusation usually is finding guiltiness on us, dirty clothes on us. But it says they overcame him not by fighting back. They overcame him by the blood. So where it tells me that what the blood does, 
Hallelujah. It gives me advantage in the face of accusation. It gives me an answer to the one who is accusing me. Praise the name of the Lord. So I am strong not because I have been perfect. I am strong because of what the blood has done and what the blood says now. Hallelujah. I am strong and I have an answer to actually overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Not because I got it right every time. Not because I have been perfect and I have never made a mistake. But because now where my mistakes were overcoming me, now the blood has brought a better word. Hallelujah. And with the blood and my testimony, I I have power to overcome. Hallelujah. Say thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. The truth is where we would we be if it was not for the blood. So the location of our praise has to be rooted in what the blood has done. But when our praise is right, hallelujah, the position of the enemy's power, influence in our lives is evidenced by the nature of our praise. Big praise, hallelujah, the enemy's voice has been silenced. Small praise or drowned praise or diminishing praise, it means that there is a voice that has found access. But today we overcome, praise the name of the Lord. We overcome with the praise. The, the praise of the infant silences the avenger, silences the enemy. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Now when it comes to praise, I wanted to raise this verse in John chapter 4. This is the story of the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman with a funny past whom Jesus was talking about. Uh, talking with. And in verse 23, it says, uh, Jesus speaking, uh, it's another story, but just I want to pull this piece of their conversation. Jesus is speaking and he says in verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now I know this is a familiar verse, but I wanted to highlight this verse in verse 24, this word. It says, the God is spirit, and those who spirit worship must worship in spirit and in truth. I wanted to emphasize the word must. Everybody say must. must. That means when it comes to the praise of God, in the eyes of God, there's only one kind of praise that's acceptable to Him. And that's the worship that is done in spirit and in truth. Therefore, if we are going to worship God according to His preference of worship, we must. Meaning it's not optional. Meaning that it cannot be done any other way. We must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay? Can we say amen? Amen. Now this raises another question. What does it mean? To worship in spirit and in truth. Because if I don't know, then I'm already at a disadvantage. I cannot give the kind of worship that God says must be given him. Unless I know what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Alright. Now let me just explain. It seems complicated, but it's not that complicated if you understand what God has done for us. Alright. In John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus were having the conversation. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, you cannot be born again. No man can be born again unless eh, he is born of the Spirit. Or, or he, or no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus hears that and says, how can a man go 
or woman, whoever, both are come up from the same place. All right? How can a man eh, go again into the mother's womb and be born again? And he says, Nicodemus, Nick, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You see the wind blow, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. So see, when we are born into this world, we are born from the womb and we come into the earth, we are born of flesh. How we manage our lives in this earth is according to the flesh and according to what the flesh perceives, the five senses. Everything we learn, everything we know, everything we grab a hold of, the, 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 the things that make us who we are is a result of the processing of our five senses and communicating with our mind. We are in this realm. All right? But then one day we got born again. And we were not born of flesh, we were born of spirit. Which means that now there's two people living, almost you could say two people living in this jar of clay. Now just like the flesh communicates with the things of the earth, eh, the spirit draws its communication and its understanding from the things of the spirit. Alright? Praise the Lord. So, so uh, 1 Corinthians 4 says, puts it this way, we hold this treasure... In jars of clay. The jar of clay is the flesh. The treasure is inside the jar of clay. That's why the day you got born again, you didn't look different. Hmm? Did anyone look different? All right, you the same. You still had to do the same because the flesh is not what changed. What changed is the deposit. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has gone away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation, a new creature if you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah for the new creation. All right? So that spirit lives within us. But then it says, now Jesus, mind you, mind you what Jesus says, uh, the Father demands we must worship in spirit mm -hmm, and in truth. Meaning we don't praise or worship according to external we praise according to the internal spirit connecting to God's spirit meaning it is not a part of our mental faculty when it comes to worshiping God we worship in spirit praise God amen now this is very important because uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6 it says the mind of sinful man is death. Hmm. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Ooh, hallelujah. I'll let you. Yeah, the mind of the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Now in the other translation when it says sinful man... Uh, the translation is flesh. All right? The mind of the flesh is death. So, so we have two natures. We have a flesh. We were born. And then we have a spiritual nature. We were born again. The mind that is attached to the flesh is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Now, the word flesh here in the Greek, I looked this up, I found it was interesting. The, the, the word flesh is the Greek word sarkos. And it means flesh, carnal, 
merely of human origin or empowerment. Hmm. So that which is of human origin or human empowerment, it's flesh. And flesh, eh, the mind controlled by the flesh is death. When, en- when the enemy comes to accuse, he doesn't come by way of the spirit man. He comes by way of the flesh man. The flesh is the devil's playground. All right? The mind controlled by the flesh, by the carnal man, by the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So, so the outcomes testify as to what's controlling us. All right? Either death is at work in our members or life and peace is controlled in our members. You know, it's something like in, in this day and time where we, are, when we are, where we are living, especially this generation, there is more uh, depression more medical, medication prescribed now for mental-related drama than in every, any other time in history. In fact, I was reading the news just this week. In America, they have now approved a new emergency phone number. Typically in America, if there, everyone knows this, you train your children if you're living in America, if there's an emergency, if there's a problem, if something's wrong, something needs to be addressed, you dial 911. And when you dial 911, you get straight to the police, straight to the ambulance, the help is on the way. Hallelujah. But, but now there's a new number called 988. And 988 is for people who's about to kill themselves, a suicide number. So you're saying either you, you, you pull the trigger or you dial 988 and they will come. And they, they approved this number in America this week because suicide is so high now that they're trying to introduce in, uh, preventative measures to keep people in America alive. The mind of the flesh is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. May the Lord help us today. May the Lord open our eyes to see that there is actually great blessing in the mind controlled by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And the mind controlled by the Spirit is evidenced in life, in life and peace. I think this is why Jesus said, uh, after he rose from the dead, Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus appeared to the disciples and to the, to the would-be apostles. But one of the things he told them, he said, don't go anywhere. After he rose, don't go anywhere. Eh? Wait for the visitation of my Father. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Don't go anywhere. In other words, even if you've seen me resurrected... Your mind is what saw me. Your spirit has not witnessed anything. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. Wait until the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, hallelujah, eh, you will be my witnesses. I thought it was interesting because they're looking at him right now. They are witnessing him right now. But he says, you have not witnessed me until you've witnessed me by way of the Holy Spirit. 
Don't go anywhere. And then the Bible says the 120 were in the upper room, upper room in Acts chapter 2. And they were all gathered together in one accord. And suddenly there was a sound like the mighty rushing wind. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire came and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. If you look at this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Or the King James says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Whew. Hallelujah. So, so, so the flesh, sarcis, it's defined by the things that come from human origin. The things of the Spirit are defined by the things that come from spirit origin. They spoke in other tongues, but behind the tongues was a force pushing that was not of human origin. Yeah, and that force caused them to speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. Now, uh, uh, this went over very easy. People have different views on speaking in tongues. I would like to tell you my view because I have the mic today. Um, but one, one day I remember... Uh, I was teaching, and I, I don't know, I think I was, I was, I don't know, I don't remember, I think I was praying in the Spirit while I was teaching, or someone praying in tongues, and then someone, you know, pulled me aside afterwards, and said, I want to talk with you, and they said something along the lines of, you know, when they spoke in tongues in the book of Acts, they did not speak in tongues, they spoke in languages. The Greek word is glossolalia, and they were actually speaking other languages. It wasn't tongues like what you were saying, because what you were saying was not a language, it was just noise. And we know that they were speaking other languages because the people who were there gathered, they heard the languages in their own tongues. They came from all regions of the world. They heard everyone speaking and praising God in their own tongues. So if the Spirit of God was really speaking through you, you should speak in Spanish. Come on, somebody. Or you should be speaking in China, Chinese or, or Japanese. You didn't speak in Japanese, so that's not tongues. That's not God's tongues. It's your own tongues. You're just making up gibberish. What, what, what I think, uh, and, and you know, what he said, there was a measure of truth to it because the Bible says they spoke in other tongues. But I think the important thing about what happened on the day of Pentecost was not the fact that what they were uh, tied to what they were speaking. The power was in the source that was fueling their speaking. You see? Because whether they were speaking in another language or whether they were speaking in an unknown language or whether they were singing like, like infants and babes, the source of that language was the Spirit. All right? It says they spoke as the utterance came by the Spirit. So it's not of human origin. What they were speaking of, whatever, don't look at what's coming out. Look at the source from where it's coming in. You see, when you take your car to the gas station, you have two options. You can fill up with naphtha or benzene. Come on, somebody. Uh, gas or diesel. I'm living in Ethiopia, right? Okay, some of you look at me funny. We don't fly here. We use cars with gas. All right? So if you are hooked up to the benzene, okay, once you are hooked up, there is no way that you will ever get naphtha. Because you've been hooked up. You, you are hooked up to the source of the, of the benzene. 
At the same time, if you are hooked up to the naphtha, there's no way in the world that you can, come, you can produce anything of a benzene quality because your source has come from a different place. At the same time, if you are hooked up to the things of the flesh, of the things of the human origin, there is no way you can comprehend or even appreciate the things of the spirit. At the same time, if you are hooked up to the things of the spirit, there is no way that you can speak according to the flesh. It's not what is said, it is the source. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do they say in Matthew chapter 16, who do they say that the son of man is? And they said, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. Then he said, well, what about you? Who do you say that the son of man is? And Peter stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my nafta, come on somebody, uh, my father which is in heaven revealed this to you. He was not blessed by what was revealed. He was blessed by the source. See, we look at what people are saying and how they are saying it, but Jesus looks at the source that is fueling what it is that we said. And Jesus says, blessed are you because you did not get this from human origin. This came from your heavenly father. This has a spiritual origin. Blessed are you? And then right after that, Jesus starts to tell them about what's going to happen next. Jesus says that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners, and he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to, he's going to die, and he's going to rise on the third day. And then Peter uh, pulls him aside and says, Jesus, come here, come here. Leave the twelve. Uh, surely this will never happen to you. It's not allowed, Jesus. And the same Jesus talking to the same Peter turns around and says, get thee behind me, Satan, because you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You see that? Meaning that somewhere between these two, you have switched your sources. Now, the funny thing is, is that Peter is not cursing here. Are you following what I'm saying? He's actually, I mean, I, mean, I feel for, for Peter, you know, he's doing the right thing. You know, let's protect Jesus. Let's make sure nothing bad happens. I mean, it, it's, it's fueled almost out of a good motive, good intention. All right? Which tells me that it's not even the beauty of the words. It's not even the, 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 the wisdom and the care and the compassion of the words that makes the words right or wrong. It is the source. So... On this side, you could be speaking in tongues with a pure source. On this side, you could be speaking beautiful, intelligent lecture, Nobel lecture, but the source could be human origin. What makes it right is the source. What makes it wrong is the source. Are you following what I'm saying? The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke as the Spirit gave utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, what's the difference between the two? The difference, you know the difference be between the two, is, is, is gauged by the life and peace. If your conclusions are leaving you full of accusation, full of envy, full of bitterness, full of confusion, that source was not from God. That source was of human origin. You know, it's amazing how great a big kingdom we can build on human origin. How great we could put a cross on the building. We could have amazing teaching. We could have amazing programs. And it could still be rooted in human origin. If we are worshiping God, His worship demands we must 
worship in spirit and in truth. For these are the kind of worshipers that the Father, that the Father seeks. Amen. Praise the Lord. And when we are sourced in spirit, when we praise in spirit, we silence the avenger. See, the goal of praying in tongues is not praying in tongues. The goal of praying tongues and go, the goal of anything that comes from the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace instead of guilt. Life and peace instead of shame. Life and peace instead of fear. Life and peace instead of anxiety. Come on, somebody. Life and peace instead of jealousy. Life and peace instead of bitterness. Life and peace instead of pills. Life and peace instead of Prozac. Life and peace instead of drama. Life and peace instead of headache. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So today we're all going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We must worship in spirit and in truth. We must silence the avenger. I'm not speaking to your human origin side right now. Those of you who are born again, I'm speaking to your spirit man inside. Your spirit man needs to be filled. Um, you know, something I was, I was thinking about. Uh, I've had this conversation with somebody before. Yeah, I tried that speaking in tongues. But it didn't work for me. Didn't, didn't work for me. Uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. The mind is death. The spirit is life and peace. Paul said, when I pray in the tongues, my spirit prays. My nafta. Tongues is how we connect to the spirit because my mind is not engaged. Human origin is cut off. Hallelujah. And my spirit man is in- engaged. We've spent too long building our kingdom life on human origin. But from today on, I told you we're going to live different from the way that we came in. Speaking in tongues, hallelujah, I am praying in the spirit and my mind is unfruitful, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this idea of I tried it, no, 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 it's not a matter of trying or not trying. When we pray in tongues and when we do it, the Bible says when you receive the spirit, Galatians 3, did you receive it by believing what you heard or by obeying the law? The question is rhetorical. Of course, you, believed it, you received it by believing. So when we believe and when we engage with our spirit, it is not our human origin that's praying. It is our spirit man that's praying. And spirit man will lead to life and peace. Well, I tried praying in tongues, but I didn't get life and peace. I'm still confused. I still have bills. I still have issues with jealousy and envy and all these things. Um, okay, watch me now. You are made up, you have inside of you your spirit man, am I right? And your flesh man. For almost all of us, we spend from morning to evening in the world of our flesh. All right? And then we come to church for one hour a week, and then we go back to flesh for the rest of the week. You see, the time, we have two parts, but we spend all of our time in the flesh side. So the flesh is what's built up and we look at the things of the spirit with confusion. The devil is a liar and his mother-in-law. My brother, you were born again of the spirit. Right? That means we have to spend time. Look, look, look. When you're taking a bath, if you take a bath, all right? not a shower, but if you're like those old movies and stuff. 
you know, you don't put the water on for five seconds and then turn it off and try to take a bath because you've only got this much level of water. All right? In order for your bath to be complete, you have to make sure it's full. Be full of the bath tub so that you can take a bath. In the same way, to be full of the Spirit, you need some time in the Spirit. It's just like being poured, and it starts down here, but it starts to fill up just like that. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more your spirit man gets built up. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, to pray in the Spirit edifies the self. Edifies is the same word that they use to make buildings. It starts small, but it starts to build up. The more you pray in tongues, the more you build your spirit man. Hallelujah. And the more you build your spirit man, boom, there goes the fear. The more you pray, boom, there goes anxiety. Boom, there goes, because you are now praying according to the life and, and, and peace agent instead of the fear and accusation agent. Are you following what I'm saying? In the book of Ezekiel, it says, I saw the river coming out of the temple. When I saw the river, it started, it was small, it was just a little trickle. And then it came ankle deep. The more I saw the river, it came waist deep, knee deep, and then neck deep. And then it was a river that nobody could cross. Hallelujah. The way Jesus described the Holy Spirit is that we must be filled. Not taste, but filled. Hallelujah. And the more we stay in the Spirit, the more the, the, the human origin, the stuff of the human origin dies. Hallelujah. Enough of human origin for us believers. Hallelujah. Amen.